Well, is God good? Are you sure? Well, that was pretty lame. I mean, if you're really sure that God is good, then there ought to be some shouting or something. You know, I always find it funny that you see people at a football game, maybe you, some of you guys are that way, and, you know, some guys will strip to the waist and they'll paint their bodies with their team colors and, and then they'll act like absolute idiots when their team scores a touchdown. And I got to thinking, Jesus scored the biggest touchdown of all. And uh, I think he's worth praising and shouting about. I don't know about you. So let's just do that. Let's just thank God one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your tender, loving kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you loved us before we loved you. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for filling us. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for leading us, guiding us. Thank you for the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, dwelling on the inside, the greater one dwelling on the inside. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Thank you, Father, that he guides us into all truth. He shows us things to come. He brings things to our remembrance, and he teaches us all things. Hallelujah. We're walking around wall to wall, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We don't have to call God down from heaven. He already came down. We don't have to call God up from the dead. He already was raised from the dead. He's on the inside, the greater one on the inside, the anointing on the inside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we could just keep doing that all this time, couldn't we? I'll tell you what. There's something called the praise cure, and I've seen people healed just praising God. They praise their way into healing because they realize that by faith they already have been healed, and they started praising him for the fact that it's already been done. And faith always calls those things that be not seen as though they were seen. Hallelujah. That's what Abraham did. He called those things which be not as though they were, just like God did. Abraham was an imitator of God. We're supposed to be imitators of God as well. We're in the God class. No, we're not gods, but we're in the God class. We're the kids of God. He's our heavenly father, and we're his children. We ought to start acting like our daddy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I usually teach, but I can definitely get into the preach. I'll tell you that right now. I remember one time I, I was in Poland, and uh, they invited me to minister in a men's prison. And so they brought me into this room. It looked like it was something from the dark ages. Uh, the key for the door was about this big, you know. And uh, I went into this, this room. It was a big empty room, no furniture, no nothing. And I went in there with my interpreter, and then they let a bunch of prisoners in, a bunch of men prisoners. And I started sharing the gospel with them. You know, the gospel is the power of God. I said it is the power of God. Or we could say it this way. The gospel is the word of God, and the word of God is the power of God when it's released. And so I started preaching the gospel to them. And I went on and went on. They're all standing. They can't sit down. There's no place to sit. I mean, they're all like this, you know. And, and so I preached the gospel to them, and then I gave them the invitation to be born again. 
And I said, who wants to be born again? You believe that? You want to be born again? Everybody raised their hand. I said, no, that can't be right. Nobody, everybody raises their hand. And so I looked at my interpreter. I said, do they understand? He said, I don't know if they did. Let's preach it again. So we <laughs> preached it again. And I gave the invitation again. And I said, who wants to be born again? And everybody raised their hand. So we led them in a prayer of salvation. They marched in unsaved. They went out saved. Hallelujah. The gospel is the power of God. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to keep talking about faith, I think. I make no promises. But we're going to talk about faith. And what I, one of the things I want to kind of get across to you, this is a really poor way of describing this, but I want to talk to you about the mechanics of faith. I hope you understand what I mean by that. In other words, how does this faith stuff work? Okay? To a lot of people, faith is a mystery. It shouldn't be. You know, when God created man, he created him in God's class. God took of his spirit. You remember in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, it said that God formed that clay body of man, and it says he breathed into him the breath of life. Amen? Well, God is a spirit. Jesus said God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is a spirit. So what is he going to breathe into that clay pot that he just formed? He's going to breathe into him a part of what he is, which is spirit. So every man that's and woman, of course, that's born into this world, whether they're saved or unsaved, doesn't matter. They are spirit beings clothed in a physical body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You're in the God class. You're designed to work like God works. You're designed to be a carbon copy of God. Look what God does and then act like that. Oh, you can't say that. I just did. You are supposed to operate that way. You are not a worm of the dust. I've heard preachers say this. Oh, you know, we're all just worms, you know, worms of the dust and so forth. Oh, we're all sinners saved by grace. Well, I'm not a worm and neither are you. And I'm not a sinner. I was a sinner. But I got born again, and now I'm a child of the Most High. And so that's what I am. And I don't label myself with sin tags or sin labels. I label myself with the Word of God. Whatever the Word says I am, I am. Whatever the Word says I can do, I can do. Amen. And so I'm going to just start acting like it. I don't know about you. If you want to just sit on your hands and hope to make heaven someday. You know, one of the... I'm not the pastor, so I can say some things, okay? If you're not willing to walk by faith and walk being led by the Spirit, you are a selfish believer. Because you have been designed to operate by faith. You have been designed to flow with the Holy Ghost. You have been designed to be an influence in this world. You have been designed to demonstrate the gospel and the power of God to a sick and lost world. And if you're not doing anything, if you're, you're just biding time, 
You have gifts that are being unused. You have anointings that are being unused. And there are people out there that need to hear what you have to say because the Holy Ghost on the inside of you has a unique anointing just for you. And if you're not walking in that and if you don't know how to walk in faith, then that anointing is not being manifested and it's not being implemented to a sick and dying world. So we need, to walk, lead, <laughs> we need to learn how to walk by faith. We have been created as faith beings, for lack of a better way of saying it. We're supposed to walk in that kind of faith. And so let's start talking about faith. You're not a worm. You're not a sinner. You're a child of the Most High. Start saying that out of your mouth and you'll start believing now, let's go over to the book of Hebrews. For the sake of time, I just want to have you go there because there's something about looking at the Word of God. Now, I know we have electronic Bibles and so forth. I've got one here. But I've got a paper and ink Bible. I don't know about you guys. Maybe it's because I'm a little bit older than some folks. But there's something about looking at it on the page. I don't know about that. There's something about feeling it. Uh, when I think about the Word of God, I can see it on the page. I know it's on the left-hand side, on the right column, about halfway down. I can see it because I've been in this book. Amen? And in Hebrews chapter 11, Steve mentioned it earlier, uh, verse 1. And do we have that? There we go. King James Version. That's the right version. No, I'm just kidding. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, that's an interesting verse. If you look at that, it says, now faith is. That's a characteristic of faith. When you're in Bible faith, it's always, 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 always present tense. Faith always has this testimony. I have it now. Well, but I don't see it. Doesn't matter whether you can see it. Doesn't matter whether you can feel it. Doesn't matter whether you can hear it. Doesn't matter whether it's showing up. I have it now, and it's just a question of time before it shows up because I've already got it. I remember Sue back in the days when we didn't have personal computers and all that kind of stuff. She has a JCPenney catalog. You know, those things are about this thick. And she'd flip through that thing, and she'd find something she wants, and she'd call the number, and she'd order it up. And she say it's a dress or something like that. And she orders that thing up, and she says, I got a new dress. Well, I don't see it. I place my order. It's a done deal. I have it now, and it'll show up, and I'll show it to you when it shows up. Amen. But now faith is. Faith is always now. And it says it's a substance of things hoped for. Faith is a tangible reality in the realm of the spirit. Now, I need to say something about this spirit realm. Stop thinking about the spirit realm the way Hollywood describes it. Every movie you see, every TV program you see, when they talk about the spirit realm, they're always talking about monsters and demons and weird, crazy things. No, the spirit realm is real, it's normal, and it's natural, and you and I were designed to flow and operate in it. We are spirit beings, but we got this body on the outside. But the spirit realm is a real thing. And it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Just because you can't see something does not mean that it doesn't exist. 
When you go home today and you get your little black plastic box and you push a button and your TV comes on and you push a few more buttons and it jumps around and so forth, you can't see the signal. It's an infrared signal. You can't see it because the signal is operating at a frequency higher than what your physical eyes can operate in. There's only a small band of frequencies that are in the visible spectrum. And people say this, well, I'm not going to believe it unless I can see it. There's tons of things that you can't see, but they're still there and they're still real. And the spirit realm is real. It's tangible. And I, I want you to notice something else here. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's evidence. When you go into a courtroom and a, you see lawyers doing different things and they say, here's the evidence of my case. The evidence is the proof of something that is not in the courtroom, but it exists and there's the evidence. Faith is your evidence that you have something that you don't necessarily see with your eyes or feel with your senses. Here's another thing to look at. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Hope and faith are not the same thing, but they're closely related. Because hope is the, how can I say this? We mentioned it last week, but I need to say it again just to make sure we nail it down. Hope is in the future. Faith is in the now. Hope gives a picture of the desired end result. Faith provides the power to bring the picture into reality. Amen. Faith is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Gospel is the word. The word is the power of God. The word and faith are closely linked. Hope gives you a direction to apply your faith in. When you get into the word of God and you start seeing things and, and, and it starts building hope on the inside of you. And so I hope this and I hope that and I hope this and I hope this and I hope this. But hope is not going to get the job done. But it's an essential part in the sequence of the operation of faith so that faith can bring into pass what hope gave you a picture of. When someone preached the gospel to you, when they witnessed to you, maybe you were in a church service, maybe you were in an evangelistic service, and you heard the gospel message, Jesus saves, however you heard it. Amen. And you heard the gospel message. You remember that Romans 10, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You heard the word of God. The word of God you heard. But just because faith comes by hearing the word, it doesn't mean that faith came the first time you heard the word. But it says faith cometh. Faith, King James. Faith cometh. Faith cometh. Well, if it cometh, it might have been somewhere else because it's coming. Let, let's do it this way. Over in Peter, it says this, the, the, the word of God is divine, incorruptible seed. The word of God is a spiritual thing. I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. This is not the word of God. In case you're wondering, that's a Bible. It's a copy of the word of God. The word of God is a living thing. 
The word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Faith is, I'm sorry, the word is a spiritual thing. When God spoke, it's in the atmosphere. It's all around us. The spiritual power of the word of God is in this place now. And we have a copy of it. So we can find out how it works. But the word of God is like spiritual seed. Peter said it that way. It's incorruptible seed. And seed sown into ground, if it, if it germinates and if it conceives, will produce what that seed is. When you heard the gospel message about salvation, maybe you didn't believe it the first time, but you got yourself a seed planted. And then maybe you heard it again. And maybe uncle so-and-so decided he's going to come witness to you. And you heard it again. And then you turned on a TV station. It's one of those crazy Christian channels. And you heard somebody giving an invitation, preaching the gospel message. And you heard it again. But one of those times, I don't know how often it took for you. It took me a little while. But one of those times, that seed of the word of God germinated in my heart. It conceived in my heart. It's kind of like when a man and a woman come together and they have physical relations. You don't always have conception every single time. Otherwise, we'd have a whole lot of folks. <laughs> but at some point, conception occurs. And all of a sudden, all things being equal and all things working the way they should, you got yourself a baby coming. Well, but I can't see the baby. Yeah, but it's coming. Because the seed got to the egg and there was conception and now you've got yourself a baby. When the seed of the word of God is conceived in the human heart, you have got what they call Bible faith. Somebody said, well, I have faith. Well, what word do you have that you're believing God for? Well, I'm nothing in particular. No, you just got hope. Hope is a good thing, but it won't get the job done. We built a log home one time up in Michigan one of the dumbest things I ever did. <clears throat> you ever lift up big logs and up? Oh. And, and when I ordered that log home kit, they get, it came in a kit, I got a set of plans. Well, I could look at those plans and say, man, I got myself a house. But no, it's just paper. I actually had to do something, take the substance of the logs and the nails and all the other things that you do to build a house, to actually build the house. So hope and faith work together. But just because you have a hope for something doesn't mean that you have faith for it yet. But hang in there because faith is coming. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, um, the Bible says in several places, we won't turn there for the sake of time, but it says we're supposed to walk by faith, we're supposed to live by faith. It even says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, it's impossible to please God without faith. Now, people have trouble with that verse sometime. Let me say it again because it needs to be said. God loves you. Period. He loves you. Well, but I don't feel loved. I don't care. He loves you. Well, I don't look loved. I don't care. He loves you. Well, you know, somebody told me God doesn't love me. I don't care. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Say that with me. God loves me. God loves me. 
God loves me. God loves me. You old ugly thing, you. We've all been ugly at one point in time or another. You, know, you understand what I'm saying. God loved us before we were even created. God loved us when he could look down through the corridors of time and knew exactly what kind of dumb things you would do. Anybody ever here not do a dumb thing? No, we've all done dumb, stupid things. And he looked through the corridors of time and he just said, I'm going to love you anyway because I'm sending my son. The son of my love is going to take care of all this business and so your love. So settle it in your heart once and for all. God loves me. He doesn't love me for what I do. He just loves me because he's God. He's just that way. God loves me. And so let's, uh, oh, that clock is not accurate. <sighs> in 12 different directions here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know what? For the sake of time, time is of the devil. I don't care what anybody says. Turn over to Matthew chapter uh, 8. I think I want to look at some examples of faith. Maybe that would be the best way to describe this. Now, I'm a teacher. And, you know, teachers go into, they drill down into the nuts and bolts of, of a subject. And so, you know, teachers, I heard it said this way one time, says, preachers proclaim, but teachers explain. And so I like to explain things and how things work. And the purpose of what I'm trying to do here is to explain how faith works. Now, I want you to, uh, if you, we got Matthew up there. Matthew 8, yeah. This is a story, again, for the sake of time, the centurion who had the sick servant. You remember that story? And so the centurion came to Jesus and he said, my servant lies at home sick. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Well, I don't know about you, but if you were sick and Jesus said, I'll, I'll come and heal him, that'd be good news. But the centurion said, you don't even have to come. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Jesus marveled at that man's expression, and he said, I've not seen so great faith. No, not in Israel. Great faith, this is a good measuring stick. Great faith takes the word of God as the final authority in any matter. Faith and the word of God are inextricably linked. You cannot have faith without knowing what the word of God is. Faith begins with the word of God. Faith comes when you know the will of God, and the will of God is the word of God. So if you've got the word on the subject, you have the potential to believe it and have great faith. That also tells me something here as well. It says that when, when Jesus said, I haven't seen so great faith, no, not in Israel, it's telling me that the word of God... The word of God will do what the presence of God will do. I hear people all the time saying, Jesus, come and touch my fevered brow, something along those lines. Well, he doesn't have to come and touch your fevered brow. If you've got the word on the subject, he doesn't even have to show up. 
Uh, I, I hear people say all the time, well, I wish I was alive when Jesus was walking this earth. Well, why do you want to go backwards? Let me try that again. Why do you want to go backwards? If you went backwards in time, if that were possible to when Jesus walked the earth, then you'd have to be unborn again. You'd have to be dead in trespasses and sins. You'd have to be without hope and without God in the world. Fooey on that. We've got a better thing right now. And we've got the word of God. Jesus doesn't have to come and touch your fevered brow. He already came and bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases. And by his stripes, you were healed. All you've got to do is find out that that's a fact. Get the word on the subject. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. And you'll have what he said. Hallelujah. Now, over in Mark chapter 5. Hallelujah. I like the book of Mark. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, in verse, Mark chapter 5, in verse 22, it says that there's a ruler of the synagogue by the name of Jairus, and he has a sick daughter. And he says to Jesus, now remember, the centurion said, you don't have to come, just speak the word. Here, Jairus has a sick daughter, and he said, Jesus, if you will come and lay your hands on her, she shall live. Now, I want you to catch something here. The centurion level of faith was, speak the word. The ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, who had the sick daughter, his faith was at the point of, well, if you come and lay your hands on her, she'll live. And you remember the rest of the story. Jesus went with Jairus, and he got to the house. But before they got to the house, somebody came and said, your daughter's already dead. You remember what Jesus said at that point in time? He looked at Jairus, and he said, only believe. Only believe. You think Jairus had the opportunity right then to start weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth because he just got the news that his daughter is dead? And by the way, Jairus was delayed because that woman with the issue of blood, which we'll get to in a minute, delayed that whole situation. And so the daughter's dead, but Jesus said, in, in essence, he said this, don't change what you said back when you first came to me and said, if you come and lay your hands on her, she'll live. Don't change what's coming out of your mouth. Only believe. Amen. We say it sometimes like this. Keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep the switch of faith turned on. But she's dead. What's that got to do with anything? Are you telling me that death is more powerful than God? If you believe that, let's have a talk after the service because we need to straighten some things out. No, what has a dead person got to do with believing God? If you're believing God, Mark 20, uh, 9.23 says this, all things are possible to them that believe God. All things, all things, all things are possible to them that believe, them that have faith in the word of God, them that have faith in the promises. Hallelujah. And so let's... Uh, Go down to this woman with the issue of blood. It's in the same chapter. And uh, let's see, where the verse I want to go to? Well, 
if you can go down a little bit further, I think it's in, uh, actually, it's a little bit up from there. Uh, verse 25 and following, a certain woman who had an issue of blood 12 years was, was seen by many physicians, and she, was, she didn't get better. She was even getting worse. But she said, if I can touch but the hem of Jesus' garment, I will be healed. I shall be healed. Now, look at the three different levels of faith. Remember we said last week, you can have little faith, you can have no faith, you can have great faith. Faith is measurable, and it's measurable by what you see people say and what you see people do. You know, I, my background is in electrical engineering. If I have a voltmeter and I want to measure voltage, I take the probes and I put them across two points and I measure it and I look at the meter. I can look at people with a faith voltmeter <laughs> And say, you remember that story where the man with, uh, was born by four men? Uh, he was sick of the palsy. And they tried to get him to Jesus, but Jesus was in a house, and he was surrounded by all the, these people, and there was a press on the inside. They, they couldn't get him into the building, and so they went up on the roof. I like those guys. Yeah. And they, they tore the guy's roof open up, and they let the guy down. Now, they didn't let him down by a rope around his neck. Then they'd have to raise him from the dead. No, they tore a big hole and they lowered him down. And it said, Jesus saw their faith. Faith can be seen. It can be seen in words and it can be seen in action. Faith-filled words get the job done. Faith-filled deeds get the job done. When I say deeds, I'm not talking about trying to earn something from God. I'm saying walking out the promises of God and acting like they're so and seeing them come to pass. Right. Amen. Amen. And so this woman had this issue of blood, and she came to Jesus, and she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. And so she did, and she was. And then Jesus turned around. Now, he's being pushed and shoved and elbowed and everything else because he's in the middle of a crowd and he said who touched me and his disciples said everybody's touching you and you almost got stomped a little while ago you know people are pushing and shoving so yeah but he said who touched me and we could say it this way who touched me with a spirit of faith and he turned around and he saw her and he said condensing the story here he said your faith, woman, has made you whole. Now, I want you to notice something. In all three of those cases, the centurion with the sick servant, Jairus with the sick daughter, and the woman with the issue of blood, it was not Jesus' faith that healed them. It was their faith. But I also want you to notice something. They did something based upon what they believed. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, but faith also must be released by words and actions. You can have all the faith in the world and not do a single thing about it, and it's just as though you had no faith at all. You can have a million dollars in a bank account, but if you just let it sit there, it's not going to be helpful to anybody. Amen. So, here's three examples of faith. Now, the centurion had the greatest faith. Jesus said that. I'm not going to put a label or a number on the other two cases. 
but to some degree, they probably had what we would call lesser faith. Now, I want to share something with you that's really important. As a matter of fact, let's, uh, let's do that. Let's go over to uh, Luke chapter 17. I had two pages of scriptures that I gave to Jennifer to uh, put on the screen. But I told her, I said, I am not promising that I will follow those scriptures. I think it was Luke 17. Let me find it here. Yeah, Luke 17. Being a teacher, it's very frustrating to only have an hour to do this. So I'm condensing this. You know, you, you can get orange juice concentrate. We're giving you faith concentrate. And you're going to have to pour some water in there to, to make it taste good. Now, I'm going to start reading a chapter. I'm sorry. Yeah, chapter 17 of Luke, verse 4. Do we have that one? Thank you. <clears throat> and it says, Jesus is speaking. He said, and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee and say, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. <laughs> Thank you for that emphasis on that verse. I appreciate that. Thou shalt forgive him. Verse 5 says, And the apostles said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. Now, I want to show you this verse because it pertains to the three examples I just mentioned. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say to the sycamine tree, Be plucked up by the root, and, it, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Now, if you look in some other translations, the word should is not used. The word would yeah. is used. So let's read it that way. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you, or it shall obey you, some translations say. Now people look at that verse, and they focus on the wrong thing. They put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Most people look at that verse and they say, yeah, the, what he's trying to say is faith is, a grain, is the size of a grain of mustard seed. But that's not the focus. The focus is not the size of the faith. The focus is putting the faith into operation. He said, whosoever shall say, whosoever shall say, you can have small, medium, or whatever measure you want to put on it, faith. But if you're using it, God will meet you at the point of that faith if, in fact, you're using it. If, in fact, you're acting on it. If, in fact, you're speaking it. Turn over to Mark chapter 11. Anybody ever read Mark chapter 11? The story that I, the, the three examples I gave to you, the centurion, uh, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, and the woman with the issue of blood. Now, I can't quantify their faith except for the centurion. Jesus himself said, that's the greatest faith I've ever seen. But notice that each one of them had an action based upon what they believed. 
the centurion came to Jesus and said, speak the word only. He came to Jesus. There was an action there. He believed and he came to Jesus. There was an action. When Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, came to Jesus, he said, come, lay your hands on my daughter and she'll live. That was his point or, or point of contact, if you want to say it that way. That was his release of faith. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I can touch but the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. Now, I don't know what their levels of faith were, but it was genuine, godly, spirit, heart faith. I should clarify this and make sure that folks understand. Faith is not of the head. Faith is not of the emotions. Faith is not a philosophy. Faith is a divine revelation given to the human heart by the Spirit of God, from the Word of God. Amen. You cannot have faith apart from the Word of God. You cannot. Faith is based on the Word of God. You can't see God. I told that to one person. He said, oh, yeah, I saw him. No, Jesus said no one has seen God. You haven't seen God. The only way that you can know God is by how he's chosen to reveal himself to man. And the way God has chosen to reveal himself to man is through his word. If you look through the whole history of the Bible, God speaks, people believe, and they act accordingly, and they get what the promise was. That's the chain of events. Hear the word, believe the word, act on the word, have the word. Romans 3.27 says it this way, there is a law of faith. There is a law of faith. I don't know about you, but that blessed me when I read that because all of a sudden I said, wait a minute, spiritual things operate by spiritual law. Well, if I can find out how spiritual law works, I can find out how to get the things of God to work for me or for my family or any other situation. And so faith is of the human heart. You remember over in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus went to his disciples and he said to them, he said, who do men say that I am? Remember that story? Matthew chapter 6. That's a good chapter. You ought to read that. That's a strong chapter. And he said, who do men say that I am? And some said, well, some, of you, some people say you're this one. Some people say you're that one. They were believing in reincarnation, I guess, in some form or fashion. And yeah, but Jesus said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? Well, big mouth Peter. I like Peter. I kind of can identify with him. I don't know about you guys, but Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said in response to Peter, he said, Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. See, faith is a divine revelation from the Spirit of God via the Word of God, the seed of the God, that is implanted in the human heart. You know, sometimes we word the, use the word heart and spirit interchangeably, and for the sake of this discussion, I'm going to do that. But you are a spirit being on the inside. You are designed to receive the word of God. The seed of the word of God is designed to operate in the human spirit. And if I can say it this way without getting stoned, the human spirit is a factory for the things of God. 
you know, you think about a natural factory. You know, you have uh, an assembly line and you, maybe you have some kind of a machine and it brings raw material in one end and it goes clunk, 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 and it does whatever it's doing. And out the far end, there is a finished product. Your human spirit is a factory for the things of God. Your spirit has been designed to uh, be implanted with the word of God, grow the word of God, and see the manifestation of the word of God on the outside. I remember Paul Yonggi Cho, a great pastor in South Korea. He was a young pastor right after the Korean War. And the, you've seen videos of this, just a wasteland. You know, buildings destroyed, cities destroyed, and so forth. And he's a little pastor in, in, a, in a church in South Korea. And he started getting a hold of the things of the Word of God. And he found out, he said, you know, I need, I'm a pastor, I need to have uh, a desk so I can study. I need to have a chair so I can sit at my desk and study. And I need to have a bicycle so I can pedal around and visit all of my congregation. You know, pastors sometimes do that. They do home visitations. And so he didn't have any of that. And nobody else had any of that. And so he started seeing that I need to start saying what the Word of God says that I can have. And the Word of God says he'll supply all of your needs according to your, his riches and glory. Aren't you glad he's not going to supply it according to your riches and glory? He's going to supply it to his, according to his riches and glory. And so Pastor Cho said, oh, thank you, Father. See, he's, he's starting to talk by faith. And he says, thank you. He, he laid it all out before God. And he said, Father, I need, a, I need a desk so I can study. I need a chair. And he said, I want a chair that swivels and has wheels on it so I'll look like a big shot. <laughs> Why not? And I want a bicycle. And he said, oh, by the way, Lord, I want a red American bicycle in war-torn South Korea. And so he started saying, Father, I believe I received that. See, he's taken it by faith. And he said, thank you, Father. Faith always praises before it sees the manifestation. Faith has a voice. Faith has a vision. And so he said, thank you, Father, for my new desk. Thank you, Father, for my new swivel chair with wheels on it so I can roll around like a big shot. And thank you, Father, for my red American bicycle. And he kept saying that, and he kept saying that, and he kept saying that. And then he'd go around, and he'd visit his congregation by foot now because he hasn't seen the bicycle yet. And he'd say, I'm pregnant with the word of God. You know, when faith conceives in your spirit or in your heart, you are, bless God, pregnant with the answer. It hasn't shown up yet, but bless God, the baby's on its way. I'm telling you. And so he'd walk around and his, his, his congregation would go up to him and say, Pastor Cho, how's the baby doing? And they'd rub his belly. How's the baby doing? He wouldn't take a thought about it. He said, no. He said, I have, I have a baby on the inside of me that looks like a desk, looks like a chair, and looks like a red American bicycle. And it wasn't too long before he got a desk, a chair, and a red American bicycle. See, faith is not of the head. It's not of the emotions. It comes from the Word of God. The Word of God is spiritual seed, and contained within the seed is everything that God said it is. And it's designed to produce what it, God said it is. But the only place it'll grow is on the inside of the human heart. That's where it belongs. Somebody said, well, you know, you're just reading the Bible all the time. Yeah, 
what are you doing? I read the word of God not to just get brownie points with God. I read the word of God so I can find out how these things work. I've learned how to plant seeds for healing and get healed. I've learned how to plant seeds for resources and I get resources. We were designed by God as spiritual creatures because we are. We are designed by God to function in this natural physical realm working with a greater spiritual realm to produce in this physical realm what can't be produced any other way. An amen goes right there. You are a spirit being. Your spirit is designed to produce a harvest of the word of God. It's designed that way. It's supposed to be that way. Now, look over here in Mark chapter 11. We used, when we went to Bible school, Brother Hagin said, I didn't write this verse, although some people think that I have. But no. Remember the story now. In Mark chapter 11, verse 13, and seeing a fig tree far off having leaves, this is talking about the fig tree in Jesus, of course, you understand. If happily he might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, Jesus talks to trees. Well, if we're supposed to imitate God, should we be talking to trees? If a tree is your problem, you better talk to it. It says Jesus answered. I want you to notice something here, and, and I don't know if I can emphasize this properly, but I'm going to try. Jesus talked to a tree after the tree had talked to him. Let me say it this way. Write this down. You'll believe it later. Everything has a voice and everything has ears. If you're sick, does your sickness talk to you? Let me try that again. If you're sick, does your sickness have a voice? This tree had a voice. The tree was saying, no figs for you, buddy. Jesus answered the fig tree, the voice of the fig tree, saying, okay, no one's going to eat figs on you hereafter forever. forever. Je Jesus answered what the tree was saying. You need to answer what your problem is saying to you. Don't be silent. Speak to the problem. It doesn't say that you're supposed to go to God about the problem. People say, well, you know, I'm sick. I've been asking God to heal me. Why? Why would you ask God to do something he's already done? No, he's already done. You need to learn how to talk to the problem. We could get into a whole big subject here, but faith, another way of looking at faith is faith is the release of God-given authority in the earth. When you were born again, you were not only made righteous with Jesus' righteousness, but you have been given Jesus' authority on the earth. You have been given that. It belongs to you. Why are you letting it rust? Use it. You don't have to go to God and say, God, heal me. You need to speak to the problem and say, get off of me. 
Get off of me. You don't belong here. I am a child of the Most High. By his stripes I am healed. Jesus made a curse for me that the blessing of Abraham might come on me. And the blessing does not include sickness. You have to command with your authority using your faith command things to occur because you have been given that authority. You have that standing before God and you have that standing before the devil. The devil knows what you have, but he doesn't want you to know what you have. And so he'll say, well, you know, God doesn't love you. Well, you know, if God really loved you, he'd heal you. No, you need to tell him what the word of God says. If you're ignorant about the word, that may be your first big problem. You need to find out who you are, what you can do, what's been made available to you, and how to work it. Amen. And so Jesus answered the fig tree, and he spoke to it. And notice he didn't pray to the Father. Now, Father, you know I was hungry, and you know I know that you love me. And how come this fig tree didn't have figs on it? I, Father, I guess you just don't love me anymore. I, no. He knew who he was and he knew who the father was. But he spoke to the problem. And then further on down here, for, again, for the sake of time, we'll try to do this quickly, but I really don't want to do it quickly, but I guess I'll have to. Verse 20, it says, And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Well, wait a minute. The fig tree dried up from the roots. It didn't dry up from the branches in. It dried up from the core out. When you're speaking, using your authority, speaking in faith to a problem, you have to understand that your words are going to the part of the problem you can't see. It's going to the root of the issue. Some people said, well, I spoke to the problem, but it didn't go away. So I guess it didn't work. No, it's working as long as you keep the switch of faith turned on and not say anything contrary. Jesus spoke to the fig tree, but it didn't look like anything happened. You speak to the sickness and you sometimes say, well, I guess it didn't work. I don't see any difference. No, you just took your faith off the situation. You just aborted your baby, your spiritual baby. I will come on. <laughs> it was dried up from the roots. And it says in verse 22, it says, Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Now, this is a teaching moment, and I can't explain to you how powerful this is, but just to tell you that this is how faith works. This is how it works. You want to know how faith works? This is how it works. We are created in the image of God. God operates by faith. We are supposed to operate just like he does. And Jesus here is going to operate just like God. He cursed the fig tree, and it happened. And notice in verse 22, he says, have faith in God. One translation says it this way, have the faith of God. Another translation says it this way, have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Well, that tells me something. He's, if the master, Jesus, is he Lord? Yeah. Is he your master? Yeah. Is he telling the truth? Yeah. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get any better than that. And he's speaking. Truth is speaking. And he said, you have the God kind of faith. You have it. You have it. Well, I don't know if I believe. You have it. If you don't, if you don't think you have it, 
excuse me, take it up with Jesus. Because he said, you have the God kind of faith. Well, how does this God kind of faith work? Well, let's look. Verse 23, for verily or truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now I want you to notice something here. It says, in that verse, it says, believe one time, and it says, say three times. The emphasis <clears throat> is saying, because saying is the release of the faith that you have on the inside. Faith comes by hearing, but faith is also must be released by speaking and acting. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. The fig tree responded to him. We're told to speak to the mountain. In this case, you understand, if you had a physical mountain that was a problem, you could speak to it. But that mountain is typical of sickness. It could be poverty. It could be lack. It could be any number of different things. But he said, believe in your heart and say with your mouth to the problem. Don't go to God. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, we go to God. We praise God. We worship God. We make petitions before God and different things. But in the areas where he said do certain things, we don't have to go to him. All we have to do is use our authority. It's interesting here in, in uh, verse 23, uh, Verse 24, it says, Therefore I send you what things soever you desire. That word desire, that's in the King James, but that word desire is the uh, Greek word in Strong's 154. And one of the definitions of that word desire, and it's used in several places, it, it's translated as the word ask. We think ask is, God, give me. No, that word means to, to demand as something due. You're not demanding from God. You're demanding of the situation. Jesus demanded of the fig tree. You're dead. And he's saying, demand, take authority and demand what belongs to you. And if the devil's trying to steal it from you, run him off. In Jesus' name. Run him off. You have been given that authority. I don't care how wimpy and lazy and nerdy you are, if a, you're a believer, you have that kind of faith. You have that kind of ability. You have that kind of authority, and you can do it. Amen? And so I go back to that verse over in Luke 17. You remember it says, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say. The emphasis is not on the size of the faith. The emphasis is on, are you going to speak to it, or are you just going to Talk to God about it. Well, I'm talking to Jesus about my problem. Well, that's all right, I guess, but are you speaking to the problem? I want to take you up a notch or two in your believing where you're not just going to be a namby-pamby Christian, just let the winds of doctrine and the, and the circumstances of life beat you up. No. Somebody said, well, I'm just under the circumstances. Well, you should not be under the circumstances. They should be under you. But you've got to use your faith to obtain those kinds of things. And so the, the key thing is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And faith 
may not come instantly, but it does come as long as you're hearing the word. I remember a story, I, th I think it was Charles S. Price. I'm not really sure if that's the one. Maybe you guys would remember. But he was a great healing evangelist in the early 20th century. And he would hold healing meetings and he would pray for the sick. And, 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 and people were being healed. But many times he'd lay hands on people and they weren't healed. And he went before God about that. He said, God, why is this not seeming to work in certain cases? And the Lord showed him, he said, because they weren't operating yet in faith. You know, sometimes when you give an invitation for healing, people will come forward and you pray for them and you want them healed. Bless God, you, <laughs> you want them to get what they have uh, need of. And yet you pray for them and it doesn't seem to work. Well, because sometimes they're not yet in faith. And so he learned this lesson. He, when people would come and be prayed for, if they didn't receive, he would say, go home, read your Bible, read the scriptures about healing, read, you know, Build the word of God on the inside of you. And then he said many's the time where he'd pray for people and nothing happened. And then he'd have a service, maybe you know, a couple week long session. And a couple days later, they'd come up and they've got this great big grin on their face. And their eyes are bright. And they say, lay your hands on me. I'll, I'll be healed. I, I, I believe right now. You know, it's all the difference between night and day. All of a sudden, it, w it went from, uh, I hope, uh, I think, I might, you never know, to... Bless God. Put your hands on me. It's not a question of if. It's a question of get them hands on me. I'll be healed. And they, he did, and they were, and they were blessed. So don't be discouraged. Keep feeding on the word of God. Let faith build on the inside of you. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes faith can be on the inside of you in an instant, just from the word of God. But there are those times especially if you had circumstances in life, different things have gone on in your life, that it's hard for you, even though you believe it with your head or, or know it in your head, I should say, but it's not built in your heart. Well, take the time. Take the time to build the word of this on the inside of you. Let the word of God push out the unbelief. Let the word of God be like a spiritual weed eater and pull the weeds out. Amen? I want to tell you something, you know, can we lock the doors? <laughs> Get a couple of burly ushers and we'll just block the doors. <clears throat> the whole parable of the sower is talking about what we talked about here. We didn't get into that, but it, it talks about wayside ground, stony ground, thorny ground, and good ground. And, you know, it talks about the seed is the word of God and and it, different kinds of ground produce different kinds of harvests or no harvest. And um, I was looking at that one day, and it, it came to me. All the ground is good ground. It's just that some of the ground has stones in it, and some of the ground has thorn, excuse me, thorns in it. Well, if you get the, the rocks out and you get the thorns out, what's left? good ground. Everybody here, your spirit is good ground. But you may have some trash in there. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament says, break up the fallow ground. Well, you know what fallow ground is? It's, it's fields that have gone to seed, you know, and they're just nothing but weeds. Break it up. Sometimes we cast seed on that ground and, and it doesn't grow because there's too many weeds. I remember up in Michigan where I grew up in, 
know, you go out, drive out in the country and you'd see these f farmers' fields and you'd see these great big rows of granite rocks at the edge of the field. Anybody ever seen those things? And, you know, I got to thinking about that and I said, you know what? God didn't create that stone wall. The farmer bought the ground and he said, this is good ground. And then he went in and he dug out the rocks and he built a wall and he dug out the stumps and he dug out the weeds and the good ground was there all the time. And you're good ground. And you can grow the seed of the word of God. Amen.